you're listening to Rights and Grants Podcast. I want to welcome you to join our 10th episode. This is actually the final one for, for this season. And our guest today is Thomas Oscar, a debut thriller author and journalist. I'm Lena Stinakakko from Rights and Brands Agency and hosting this podcast. Welcome, Thomas. Thanks. Good to be here. Your debut thriller, Their Turn to Burn, came out about two weeks ago in Finland as we speak. How are you feeling today? Oh, I'm hanging in there. It's been really busy. I've been promoting the book and at the same time certain people are wanting me to get some details out about the second book. <laughs> are you referring to me? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe. You're one so, of them. Yeah. Sorry for pestering you. <laughs> no, it's all good. I mean, people have been really supportive and excited and the reception of, for the book has been amazing. So I'm enjoying every minute. Great. Good to hear that. So the book, Their Turn to Burn, which was published by Finland's biggest publisher, Otava, sets the bar high, even if you look at it on the international standards. It is definitely as catchy as the big thrillers on bestseller lists across the world. And it's fast-paced, and there are plenty of unforeseen twists and turns in your plot. Um, on top of having all these, I could say, best qualities of a thriller, um, your story is definitely most topical at the moment. Their Turn to Burn is a political thriller, and it's set in the near future where the polarization of the society has gone quite to its extremes, even in Finland. When the book starts, um, the political situation here is in, in flares, and flair in Finnish, Roy is actually the original name of the book as well, but in English we decided to call it Their Turn to Burn. This story is set in the near future, around the end of the 2020s, and it's set in Helsinki, but it could basically happen in almost any Western society, don't you think? Exactly. And in the light of the current state of the world and events in early 2021 as we speak, your book is perhaps even more topical than you could have guessed when you were writing it. Can you shortly describe the starting point and the societal situation in Their Turn to Burn? Yeah, sure. So uh, at the beginning of the book, we're in the middle of an economic crisis and the political atmosphere is very heated and people are taking their anger to the streets. And uh, soon we'll start to find out that there's a lot more going on behind the scenes. There's a plot threatening the government and then the main characters and the reader start getting information about what's actually going on and, and things then start escalating pretty quickly. Let's talk first about the main character. Um, he's Finland's young prime minister called Leo Koski. And he's the leader of the right coalition government, but actually he's only a puppet ruler because behind him there is a group of rich and powerful men. And yes, they are all, or at least almost all of them, are men. And they are the ones who really pull the strings, even if they prefer to stay mostly out of sight. Um, and... The events start on a Saturday morning when our charming main character Leo wakes up 
to face devious plots to both overthrow him, like you just referred to, and then also to turn the society upside down. And but this is not his only; these are not his only problems. On on top of all this, he's hungover, and next to him in his bed lies a beautiful, sexy, naked woman who happens to be a famous TV host and who really shouldn't be in his bed. So the first problem to be solved is how to get her out. Um, but from this, I could say, unfavorable starting point, Leo pulls himself together and maybe for the first time decides to try to execute the power he has as a prime minister to save not maybe his position, but the society as a whole. Um, you've been complimented about being able to write multi-dimensional characters, which is not always the case in, in thrillers. Was this a con conscious decision for you and uh, how did you manage to do it? Well, uh, in my writing, the plot always comes first. The characters are there to serve the story, but uh, I was very aware of the weaknesses that many thrillers have with their characters. I mean, too often when I read a book, I just don't care enough about the characters to get really invested in the story, or I might get confused about the characters. So I, I did pay a lot of attention to the characters, even the secondary ones. And uh, when I'm writing, I use a third-person limited point of view as a technique, and obviously it's great in thrillers because it lets you keep the reader in the dark in a natural and controlled way. But I think also it gives you a chance to really develop your characters in a, in a subtle way. And I tried to take advantage of that. And you succeeded it really well. Uh, Leo's counterpart, um, the other main character, is a, is a young and charismatic female leader. And uh, Leo's opponent, um, she, her name is Emma, and she's leading the, the left um, how would you say, co left coalition or left yes. uh, left parties. Yes. Um, when reading about her and, and uh, the way you describe her character, one can't help but to think that she is at least on some level inspired by Finland's current prime minister, Sanna Marin. She is at least as, as decisive and, and fact-driven as we've seen Marin to be. Is this in any way intentional or, or true? Or well, uh, I hear that a lot. <laughs> a lot of people make the comparison to Sanna Marin. She's super famous and, and on the rise. And, and sure, the similarities are there. Uh, I can't deny that. But if Emma in my book was inspired by Sanna Marin, it wasn't intentional. Uh, but I, I wrote Emma in the book the way she is because I thought the environment might benefit or might give a chance for a charismatic young left-wing female politician. And I'm not surprised about the popularity of Sanna Marin. I mean, for me, think, after thinking about all these things, I, I think it's only natural. So the, the events in Their Turn to Burn take place within about 24 hours. So it's, it's, it's concise time frame and uh, mostly we we uh, hear about events that happen in Helsinki and uh, the sort of close surrounding areas. 
Why did you decide to have such a short time frame and concise location? Well, that's one of the biggest, or probably the biggest change I made while writing. Because actually in my original plan, the story was set on a little bit longer time frame. And it also included a little bit more locations outside Helsinki. But at some point I felt like I was writing well, but something was missing. I felt the story was still lacking some intensity. And that's when I decided to shorten the time frame to one weekend or basically 24 hours. And the, the feeling of time running out is obviously an old trick. <laughs> uh, for example, Dan Brown does it really well and so do many others. And it's not the most important single way to create suspense in my, in my story, but it did, it did make this story more intense and I'm happy with how it turned out. Definitely, it, it, uh, you feel the sort of the clock ticking. There is the left movement is about to have a big demonstration on, on Sunday, the day after after Leo wakes up hungover and, and it is really a short, intense time frame. Yeah, I wanted to get the feeling early on in the story that the, the plot that we hear about, what we don't exactly know what it's about, but we, we know that it's gonna happen really soon. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about you. Thomas Oscar is actually a pen name. Um, you've combined your first name and, and second name there. In Finland, you are known by your real name, Tuomas Niskakangas. Um, you write for our biggest daily newspaper, Helsingin Sanomat. And in your journalism, you cover current affairs in economics and politics. How did your profession inspire you to write this story? Well, uh... I've known for a long time that I wanted to write a thriller, but I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to use my expertise from my work uh, while doing it. But then, uh, while I was working as a correspondent in the U.S., uh, the U.S. correspondent for Helsingin Sanomat, I started getting really pessimistic about the world, especially two things, I guess, uh, the polarization of the society, both in U.S. and, and in Finland. I mean, in, in, in the U.S. we lived in a really wealthy suburb of Washington, D.C. And the other side of Washington, D.C. was like a different country. I mean, lots of violence and poverty. Mm. And also back then, uh, I was already worried about how politicians were piling up debt and the central banks were printing money to keep the economy together. And when I imagined the worst case scenario that could come out of this, I realized that we might end up in a, in a really bad situation and that would make a great setting for the kind of large-scale thriller that I really wanted to write. So it didn't inspire me, my work, mm. eventually. Could you describe to us um, what has happened in the world between today, 2021, and uh, the time when your story takes place? There's about, I would say, maybe seven, eight years in between. Yeah. Uh, well, basically two things. Uh, the economy has collapsed and a lot of people are living a hard life. and. And secondly, the polarization of politics has become more severe than today. And it's taken a new form. I mean, right now, the divide in many countries, uh, at least in Finland, is that it's between the conservatives and the liberals mm. who live mostly in the cities. And uh, But because the economy in my book is in ruins, uh, the traditional divide between the left and the right, the haves and the have-nots, 
has become the main dividing line in society again. And there's been some kind of like a, a, a collapse of the middle class. Yes. Right. So there, there are very few people who get by anymore. Yeah. Uh, the economic inequality that we that has worsened in, in many developed countries is, is getting worse rapidly mm. in, in the next years if to, to become where we are in the in the start of the book. If things go wrong. Yeah. <laughs> as you mentioned, you've you've lived in the US uh, for four years when you worked as the correspondent for Helsing in Sanomat and, and for our international listeners I would like to um, compare Helsing in Sanomat to The Guardian or, or the New York Times of, of Finland. Um, but when you were working uh, in Washington, what were the what were the exact years you were there and what were the main political events that happened during your time and how are they reflected in this story? Well, I lived in Washington, D.C. for just over four years from uh, 2010 to 2014. Uh, Obama was re-elected and bin Laden was killed and all sorts of stuff happened. But I think... Uh, from my book's point of view, probably two things were important. Uh, they were not the biggest news stories, but meant a lot to me. I mean, the first one was the Occupy Wall Street movement that started from New York and was a big deal for a while. And and the other one was uh, the release of Thomas Piketty's Capital in the 21st Century, which was probably one of the most important books of last decade. And, and these two things, I think, combined raised the question of economic inequality to the forefront. And suddenly the elites around the world uh, became more aware of, of economic inequality and how it can create tensions and how it can breed populism. And even with the economy doing just fine most of the decade, it seemed like the tensions were building. Uh, we had the Yellow Vest movement in mm -hmm. France and many other similar demonstrations. And, and then just before coronavirus even Financial Times did this big campaign where it stated that capitalism needs to be reset and, uh, and, and the debate was hot. And, and then the virus happened and, and recently we saw what happened at U.S. Capitol. I mean, the insurrection there was something that we couldn't have imagined just a yeah. few years ago. And I think it's interesting. Once the dust settles, it's going to be... Uh, I don't know how it's going to turn out, but it's going to be interesting to see how the debate about inequality will will continue. I have to say it was almost eerie watching watching the TV um, when the Capitol Hill was, was taken over and uh, after having read your book <laughs> just a few weeks before. Yeah. Um, yeah. But maybe to a bit more bright subjects um i would like to share a fun fact with our listeners um, because i bet quite a few of our listeners remember the photo that traveled fast across the world in twitter and in, in social media um in december 2019 of finland's five female party leaders and and cabinet ministers that were elected they were all dressed in black, um, and obviously this was when Sanna Marin's government uh, first started out. And it was actually you, Thomas, who first tweeted this photo, and now it's been retweeted, like, how many times? 
Oh, I don't know. I think there are tens of thousands of likes and retweets and over 8 million views on Twitter and, and on Facebook. The picture just started a life of its own. It's been great to see that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it's a fun feeling going viral. Yeah, yeah, yeah I can imagine. Um, we already talked about Emma, the, the charismatic leader of the, the left movement in your in your book and and the references to Sanna Marin perhaps but how do you see the current political situation in Finland I'm, I'm referring to our female-led government um, which has resulted in, in quite a lot of fame and, and curiosity across the world in, in the media how is that reflected in your book on top of Emma's character is there something else well I don't know I mean uh, probably Emma's character is She's an important character, and I wanted to write the female lead as, as super talented and very charismatic and extremely smart. But it's not like it's a statement or anything. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in Finland, we're, even before Sanna Marin, we were used to having talented female politicians in top jobs as a president and as prime ministers. Uh, but I'm, I'm happy to see that something that's pretty normal in Finland can serve as inspiration in some other countries where it's not that usual. Yeah, also, I've been picking my brain that something went, something is about to go really wrong after this government and then the events of your book, what happens in between. <laughs> um, we've talked a lot about politics and, and real life, but I would like to also ask you how much did you take inspiration from other books and other thrillers and, and which ones have inspired you? Well, I, I read a lot of crime novels and thrillers, mostly American and Nordic ones. I already mentioned Dan Brown's example, probably that it encouraged me to try a really short time frame. And I think Dan Brown does so many things right in his books. And uh, when you look at my book, I think from technical or, or, or structural point of view, it's, it's influenced mostly by American thrillers and uh, then maybe if you look at the atmosphere or, or the feel of the book, I think there are a lot of influences from the Nordic mm. crime novels. Do you want to name any? Or? Uh, I like all the big ones that have yeah. made it big, especially uh, Unesbe has, has influenced me probably yeah. the most. I mean, he, he's, he's been really consistent, written so many great books. Um, I would say that your entertaining and fast-paced debut thriller seems to have attracted readers outside of the usual thriller thriller audience, and um, especially younger readers. And maybe the events that take place in the near future appeal to to younger audience as well. And I would say it has also traveled. A Across genres um, to fans who are not usually into political thrillers. Why do you think the book can reach your book can reach such a wide audience, and and what kind of feedback have you got so far in general? Well, I've gotten quite a lot of feedback already. I'm I'm happy that people seem to read it fast, <laughs> and and are already talking about it. And based on the feedback, there seem to be a couple of things that get people excited about it. Uh, the first one we already talked about, I mean, it seems like many people think the political part of the book is smart, but not boring. It's a bit mm -hmm. different from many books, and it brings something more to the books compared to some crime novels that people might feel are a little bit empty inside. Uh, 
And the other thing that people seem to enjoy is that it's a fast-paced story with super high stakes, but it's not too dark. Uh, a lot of people will die die in the book, <laughs> but uh, readers don't feel anxious or depressed while they're reading this story. It's just a fun ride. Yeah, it's entertaining and there's humor as well. Yeah, yeah, I wanted to have the lighter moments in the story as well. Uh, I'm sorry, but I will have to go back to pestering you again. <laughs> um, I would <clears throat> want to end uh, the, the conversation with asking... What will you write next? And will we hear more about Leo and Emma? Or is it something completely different? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm currently in the process of planning the next book. I like to plan well before I start writing. Uh, it, it is going to be an independent sequel to, to this first book. And it's it's going to be, again, fast-paced. It, it's going to be a new story, but with a lot of the same elements are going to be there. Uh, I want it to be a thriller that's smart, but really entertaining. Sounds great. Looking forward to it. <laughs> well, thank you, Thomas, for, for being our guest today. And before I let you go, I will shoot our quick five. Um, so that's five questions and you can answer with a short sentence or, or maybe two maximum. So the first one, what's the book that you're reading right now? Uh, I'm actually reading The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo by Stieg Larsson. I've obviously read it before, but <laughs> I'm doing it again. Is this the second time or the third or, or the tenth? It's, 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 it's the third time, actually. Okay. I, I'm pretty sure it's the third time. Yeah. And what's your favorite place to write? Uh, it's an old library here in Helsinki on Rikardinkatu Street. It's like a 140-year-old building and I just feel really comfortable there. What is the most beautiful Finnish word for you? Hiljaisuus means silence. In the library. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you could spend the day with anyone in the world, who would that be? I love tennis, so it would be Roger Federer. And who's your favorite Nordic author? I have to say Unesbe. Well, thank you, Thomas. And uh, the best of luck for the turn to burn. May the flare of your book, but not the events, reach across borders. Thank you. And thank you all for listening.